Hi there and welcome. This is Amanda, the founder of Astrology Hub, and you're listening to our week ahead snapshot with world-class astrologer, historian, and author of the Cosmic Calendar, Christopher Renstrom. This show is designed to give you a quick overview of the week ahead, enabling you the gift of choice in how you navigate and weave these energies into your daily life. Enjoy. This podcast episode is sponsored by Astrology Hub's Academy. Wherever you are on your astrology journey, we have a class that will help you get to the next level. Hello, my name is Christopher Renstrom, and I'm your weekly horoscope columnist here on Astrology Hub. And this week, I would like to talk to you about Saturn entering the zodiac sign of Pisces on March 7th. Now that, in and of itself, is something to think about. Saturn entering Pisces on March 7th. What's fascinating about that is when you remember that 7 is the number of Saturn. Saturn is the seventh day of the week. It ruled over the Sabbath. And until 1781, Saturn was the seventh and the last of the ancient planets known by astrologers in astrology. So 7 is rather interesting. And it gets even more interesting when you think about how Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac. We go from Aries, Taurus, Gemini, right on through to the zodiac sign of Pisces, which symbolizes the end of the agricultural year and the beginning of the new one. So here we have Saturn, seventh planet of astrology, entering into Pisces, the last sign of the zodiac. What does that pretend? Well, when I think of Saturn in Pisces, I think of a lighthouse. Yes, I think of a lighthouse. Lighthouses are such romantic figures. They stand on the rocks of shores, overlooking a bay or a body of water. And at night, the light comes on, shining as a beacon to ships that are sailing at sea. And this is very lovely, and this is even kind of romantic and even a haunting image. But when things get dicey, when there are huge storms with waves that are breaking all over the place and that are tossing the ships at sea uh, up and down and back and forward, well, a lighthouse, a lighthouse becomes a very important thing. It's not the serene tower that we had seen maybe walking by the beach walking on the beach one night, looking up and gazing at the lighthouse, all of a sudden it becomes a, a sentry, something that is protective, something that is meant to help. And this is fascinating. When you think about the zodiac sign of Pisces, Pisces obviously being associated to the ocean because of its modern rulership by the planet Neptune. But when you think of Pisces and of the ocean, when you think of, for instance, the Odyssey and Odysseus, who is trying to get home to Ithaca after having fought the Trojan War. Well, Odysseus goes through all these different journeys and all these different side trips and all these different shipwrecks, in fact. But on one of these journeys that Odysseus takes, he has to go through this, the, these straits, this, this area where there's water flowing between two pieces of land. And here is the realm of the sirens. And the sirens were sort of half bird, half female 
creatures that sang out to sailors to come and be with them, and sailors that became intoxicated, hypnotized by the siren song, would steer their ships inevitably into the rocky shores where the ships would smash and the sirens would pounce upon them and eat them to pieces and, and tear them to pieces and eat them raw. All right, so, so here's this idea of shorelines being nefarious because of the song of the sirens. And we even have the siren song still exists to, to this day as something that is alluring and hypnotic and most likely treacherous. So here the lighthouse stands on the rocky shore of the coastline, a rocky shore of the coastline that a ship lost at sea in a storm would not see and could potentially crash up against and, and wreck itself, drowning all the people on board. But because the lighthouse is there shining its light into the night, the ship knows that that's where the shoreline is and not to go near there. At the same time, let's say the ship is lost at sea or there is a shipwreck and the lighthouse is shining its light, lighthouses to this day have contact with coast guards or people who go and rescue people who have been lost at sea. Uh, so the lighthouse is not only a sort of warning against don't come too close here, it's also a beacon of hope, this light in the dark, and a beacon of hope because if you are in danger and you signal with a flare and SOS that you are in danger, that, that your ship is sinking, the lighthouse automatically uh, contacts the Coast Guard. And back in the day, it would call upon townspeople living in, in the village, and they would run out with ropes tied around their middles. They would run out into the ocean and try to rescue anyone who was, who was trying to swim ashore from, from a ship that was sinking. So lighthouses are both, as I was saying, symbols that warn and also beacons of hope and even salvation. And this, this is what I want you to keep in mind when you think of the planet Saturn entering into the zodiac sign of Pisces. This, this solitude figure, this remote figure, standing guard, standing guard between this world and the next, just like Saturn does. Saturn is the last of the ancient planets, so it marks the end of the roster of ancient planets, and it stands on the shore of the modern planets. After Saturn come the modern or the transpersonal planets, like Uranus and Neptune and Pluto. And so Saturn sort of stands guard right there between the more ancient or what we call nowadays personal planets and the transpersonal forces of the modern planets. So when I, when I want you to think of Saturn, think of Saturn as this guardian. Think of Saturn as mm, an observatory. You know how observatories are removed from city lights? They're set up on top of mountains. And what do observatories do? They observe the stars. They hold telescopes that are pointed out at, at the stars in space. So you can think of the observatory as standing there at the edge of the realm of Uranus. Uh, think of the lighthouse standing on the coast, on the realm of Neptune. And for Pluto, for Pluto, think of a mausoleum or even a cemetery standing there right at the edge between the living world and the world of the dead. So Saturn is this kind of remote figure, this sentry figure 
that stands guard, that warns all of us not to to step over this boundary, not to trespass this boundary between worlds. Because if we do, because if we do, we might tumble into a realm that we do not understand. We might tumble into the stars or into the sea or into the world, in, into the world or the realm of the dead without understanding where we are and having lost our way. So Saturn stands there as the planet of limits, as the planet of the border. Saturn stands there and says, don't step over this line. Don't go any further. And of course, do we listen? No, we don't. We never listen, which is why we engage Saturn on a constant basis, either as the figure that's saying, you know, I warned you not to go there, and at times even in our lives as a figure that comes to our rescue. So here is Saturn. Here is Saturn, the last of the personal planets, moving into the last of the zodiac signs. It's moving into the zodiac sign of Pisces. Pisces is known for what? Well, Pisces is known as the sign of mystics and seers, of prophets and visionaries. Pisces is the sign of love and compassion and empathy because of its twin rulerships of Jupiter and Neptune. Pisces is associated with unconditional love, uh, infinite compassion, and tremendous empathy. These are the things that we associate to the zodiac sign of Pisces. Why do we assign this or associate this to the zodiac sign of Pisces? We think of these qualities when we think of the zodiac sign of Pisces because Pisces, Pisces is the sign of the soul. Pisces is the sign of the soul. It's the sign of the life of the soul. And when we think of soulful, we think of things that are deep. We think of things that are profound. We think of things that are infused with meaning, a meaning that is hard to put into words. It's hard to explain. Meaning that, that sometimes we can describe, but meaning and a sense of mystery that strikes us dumb. It strikes us silent. We stand quiet, you know, in this place where there is the soul and this experience of the soul, the experience of the soul, a true experience of the soul leaves us speechless. So the soul is a very powerful and profound place of experience for all of us. And the soul is also a place of pain and suffering. Indeed, you cannot experience anything that is truly soulful without also having experienced pain and suffering. These are things that are all bound up in the zodiac sign of Pisces. Pisces also has a tie to the 12th house in astrology. When you think of the archetypal chart, uh, which starts with Aries and the Ascendant as the first house, you go to the second house, third house, fourth, etc., all the way through to the 12th. The 12th house, which is often associated with the 12th sign Pisces, the 12th house is a very particular house and not a particularly pretty one. The 12th house until recently was seen pretty much as the house of self-undoing. It was the house of self-undoing, and it was also the house of secret enemies. 
The 12th house ruled over places of incarceration, like prisons, for instance, but also a hospital could be a prison in, in the sense that you could be incarcerated in a hospital. You stay in a hospital until you are feeling better. Maybe you go to a hospital for an operation or you go to a hospital because you are very, very ill. And, and during that period of time that you are in a hospital, you sign yourself in and you become, you, you become a, a resident of the hospital. You, you cannot leave unless you have been released. Okay, so places of incarceration, places where you are kind of under arrest, places where you don't have rights, okay, where you can't come and go as you please. Let's make it like that. Places where you cannot come and go as you please, where you are sent for a particular period of time. These are the places that are assigned or ruled by the 12th house. They can be prisons, they can be hospitals, they can even be psychiatric wards. And this is why whenever I see, for instance, a heavy collection of planets in the 12th house, maybe there's a number of planets in the 12th house, or there's a sun in the 12th house, a moon in the 12th house, um, I will automatically ask without, you know, and, and I'll say to the person that I'm reading for, I'm simply asking because I always ask when I see planets here in the 12th house, I will always ask, is there a history in your family of depression, alcoholism, or drug abuse? Because these are things that are often associated with planets that are to be found in the 12th house. Some of that is what I just related to you as, as what the 12th house represented. But what's also interesting in astrology and speaks to the connection between Saturn and Pisces in astrology is that if you are familiar with the planetary joys, that is the particular houses in an astrological chart where the planet rejoices, then you will know that Saturn is in its joy in the 12th house, that the 12th house is a place where Saturn rejoices. The first house, for instance, is the joy of Mercury. Mercury rejoices in the first house because Mercury is the herald planet, and it announces. And so this is why it rejoices in the first house. The sun rejoices in the ninth because the ninth was associated with God and divinity. The moon rejoices in the third house because the third house was always associated with the goddess. And Saturn, Saturn rejoices in the twelfth house. And Saturn, Saturn rejoices in the 12th house. And the 12th house, of course, is the house of self-undoing and secret enemies and places of incarceration. All things that are associated with Saturn when Saturn is being its testing, challenging, oppressive, tyrannical self. Bad Saturn. Nasty Saturn. Okay, and this is Saturn's reputation is that it's a planet that brings hardship. So it was a joke with astrologers that, of course, Saturn rejoiced in the 12th house because the 12th house was the house of self-undoing. It was the house of secret enemies. It was the house of prisons and, 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 and hospitals and insane asylums and, and places where you suffered the most. So, of course, Saturn would rejoice here, would take pleasure here, uh, because Saturn, the planet of test trials and tribulations would delight in the, um, in the misery of other people. Bad Saturn, nasty Saturn, Saturn being oppressive and tyrannical like, like, it, like it can be. 
Well, that addressed the more darker or negative side of Saturn um, when astrologers said it rejoices, of course, in the 12th house. It's delighting in the misery and the agony of other people. But that's not everything that's connected to Saturn, and that's not everything that's connected to the 12th house. The 12th house, I also, as an astrologer, will look to as the place, as, as I often call it, the closet where the family skeletons are stored is in the 12th house. And one of the words that I actually am exploring in my use of the 12th house and the way that I interpret it is the word epigenetics. It's this idea that a trauma that has been faced or suffered, experienced in a previous generation, leaves its impression. It's almost like it, it, it impresses on the DNA, on the actual DNA of the family that experienced it. Um, this is something that's been talked about um, with the Holocaust. This is something that's being talked about a lot with America's history of slavery, that these ex traumatic experiences have impressed themselves on the people who experienced or suffered it, and, and that that has been passed down through their generations, through the generations of their families, through DNA, so that their children or children of children or children of children of children are carrying this trauma without really having a clear understanding of where this trauma is coming from. They themselves haven't experienced it, but they still are carrying this trauma. It's been passed down through the generations. And that I find to be a very intriguing interpretation of, of the 12th house. The 12th house was also known as a transitional place between worlds. And, and this is where it took over places of, of transition or places of retreat. Okay, so, so a 12th house, for instance, can be the house of hospices, where people go to prepare for death, where the body undergoes the process where it will cross from the living to, to the realm of the unliving, to the dead, to the otherworldly. This is done in the 12th house. The 12th house, think of that, that, that lighthouse. It stands guard at, at the boundaries. So, so a hospice would be an area that we would expect to be described by the 12th house. Another area that we would expect to be described by the 12th house would be rehab centers or recovery centers where people who are suffering from addictions go to rehabilitate, where they detox, where they go through a, an extremely painful and, and, and what can at times be a very extremely painful, either physically or psychologically, experience of recovery. This is also ruled by the 12th house. But the 12th house also ruled over retreats, spiritual retreats, you can almost think of it as sacred, safe spaces. So it ruled over places like monasteries and convents and spiritual retreats, wherever you would go to retreat from the world to get into contact with God. So it was a place of solace and solitude and quiet, and it was a place where you could stand closest to God which of course reconnects us to Saturn here in a different way, Saturn rejoicing here, because Saturn, as the seventh day of the week, ruled over the Sabbath. 
And the Sabbath in Judaism is famous for no labor. You, you do not labor, you do not play, you stop and cease all activities, and you do nothing for the day but contemplate God. Okay, and this was connected to the seventh day, the Sabbath, when God rested after the six days of creation. And this is also what made the Jewish people so outstanding and remarkable in the ancient world, because in the ancient world, you worked every day. If you didn't work every day, you weren't harvesting food or producing things that kept you alive. So for an entire people to stop working on one day, you know, and to contemplate God in the silence and the solitariness of their own being, this was seen as extraordinary and and actually rather awe-inspiring. So this is Saturn's other aspect. It's 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 more positive face as taking its joy in the twelfth house. It takes its joy in the twelfth house because it rules over those areas, those sacred safe spaces where we stop our daily life and we contemplate God in silence or remoteness in a place that is far away from the typical world with its daily traffic and noise and things of this. And this is where, because of this solitude and this quiet, we can stand closest to God. That is whatever God that we worship or follow or spiritual pursuit or path brings meaning into our lives. And finally, with the twelfth house, and what Saturn also stood for was the ancient custom of sanctuary. Sanctuary is an ancient custom where people who are oppressed in one kingdom or land could come to another kingdom or land and expect to be sheltered and protected. Okay. So, so we think of, for instance, when we hear the word asylum. You know, until recently, one would think of a mental asylum, you know, of, of a psychiatric ward. But asylum was also a place of sanctuary and of safety where an oppressed people could come and they could be protected by another kingdom or another country. And sanctuaries or safe spaces were intimately connected to the church. For those of you who are familiar with the hunchback of Notre Dame or Notre Dame, okay, his name is Quasimodo. He's this 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 hunchback who is kind of like this servant, really kind of a slave of this monk in in, in the cathedral of of Notre Dame, um, who sees to the upkeep of the church. Well, at this one point, uh, Quasimodo has espied this this gypsy woman named Esmeralda and has fallen in love with her. And Esmeralda is a gypsy, and so she goes from town to town, is basically treated like trash. And at some point in the novel, she falls afoul of the law and is now going to be burned by the people of Paris as a witch. Okay, so uh, because she's too seductive and she's too pretty. And as we all know, it's always the woman's fault for that. <sighs> anyway, so here, she, here the crowd has gathered and they've thrown her on the pyre and they're going to burn her as a witch. And Quasimodo, with his bulging eye and his enormous hunt, hunchback, you know, comes swinging on in on a rope, and he uh, unties her, and he grabs her, 
and he goes and he clambers towards the walls of Notre Dame. You know, he's he knows the cathedral so well that he climbs up and down the walls and knows all the secret passages and all these sorts of things. And so the crowd is like shocked and amazed and they go running after Quasimodo. And what he does is that he closes all the doors of the cathedral, of the Notre Dame cathedral. He closes all the doors and, and puts Esmeralda in a pew and tells her not to leave. You know, and she's shocked and amazed and not even sure what to do with him, you know, but she sits down in a pew quietly, you know, until called upon. And what Quasimodo does is the people storm, they try to storm the cathedral, but they can't get in. They, they, they pound at the doors, you know, with their torches, you know, they might even perhaps burn the cathedral down and, and the priests inside are, are alarmed, you know, what Quasimodo does, and it's a magnificent moment, you know, particularly in the film with Charles Lawton, he jumps on one of the bells. He jumps on one of the bells and he sends it ringing as the bell swings back and forth and bong, 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 as it calls out in the night. And he cries out, sanctuary, as he rides this bell, sanctuary, as it bongs. So they, they hear bong, bong, and sanctuary crying out over the rooftops of Paris, and people are awed, and they stand away from the door, and they do not, they do not trespass into this church. So here again is another expression or another appearance of Saturn in Pisces, okay? Saturn in Pisces protects the safe spaces, the safe, sacred spaces, you know, and keeps regular riffraff from entering into them, and it protects uh, those who are imprisoned, those who are oppressed, and those who have come seeking sanctuary. This is one of the manifestations of Saturn in Pisces. But Saturn is, at the end of the day, a planet of tests, okay? Saturn, when it enters a sign, tests the people who are born under that sign or they'll or it will test the areas of life that fall under that sign in your own horoscope. For instance, if you have Pisces in the fifth house, or Pisces in the twelfth house, like we've just talked about, or Pisces in the third house, Saturn and Pisces will test you in the fifth house, in areas of the twelfth house, or in areas of the third house. It's there to test. Okay, and again, it doesn't test to just make your life miserable. It tests to see whether or not you can cross this boundary, okay? Whether or not you can grow or, or move on to another area of your life. This is what tests do. Tests decide the students who pass or fail. That's what a test does. And that's essentially what Saturn does. It stands there as a sentry, and it's going to see whether you pass or fail. If you fail, as far as Saturn's concerned, that's all right. You've, you've reached your limit. You've gone as far as you can go, and that's where you will reside in life, okay? And if you pass, then Saturn will, will praise you, move you to another area, and because we're still alive on this planet, will test you anew in something different. So Saturn, in its own very peculiar way, forces us to grow as people, okay? But where we're growing on the Saturnian journey is more 12th house than ninth. Or another way of putting it would be is more Saturn than it is Jupiter. 
okay, so the growth isn't uh, Jupiterian in terms of becoming a better for better person, more famous, more renowned, or wealthy or rich in the world, you know, things that are can be associated with Jupiter. Saturn's tests are becoming more profound. They're becoming more spiritual. They're becoming more dealing with who you are, particularly with Saturn and Pisces, on a soulful level. So Saturn is the planet of tests, and it tests us through our fear. And here, I just want to share with you very quickly this passage from Ernst Cassirier. And Ernst Cassirier wrote this book called The Individual and the Cosmos in Renaissance Philosophy. It's one of those dry, dusty tomes and things like that. But there are nuggets of gold to be mined. And here, he's talking actually about the Florentine philosopher and astrologer, Marsilio Ficino, who became famous for translating into Latin Greek texts that were associated to Plato and uh, older uh, and Platonic philosophy and also myths and tragedies and things like this. Um, he's, he's a big figure in the Renaissance for basically reintroducing ancient literature into modern or Renaissance times and, and, and the incredible exposure that, that this created and the incredible experience the way it reshaped the way that people learn things, philosophy, religion, everything that is all connected to the Renaissance, Renaissance philosophy. But here, um, Marcello uh, Ficino was indeed an astrologer, and he mined a lot of information from these texts about the planets. And in this passage from Cassirier, he says, the same planet, okay, so I want you to think of a planet, the same planet, so essentially in a horoscope, this could be any planet, really. Okay. The same planet or any planet can become the friend or foe of a man. It can unfold those powers that bring bliss or those powers that bring evil. According to the inner attitude that man assumes toward the planet. So in other words, a planet can bring bliss or it can bring evil according to the inner attitude that a person has towards the influence or the presence of that planet. He goes on to say, thus Saturn becomes the foe of all those who lead vulgar lives, but the friend and protector of those who try to develop the deepest virtues that lie within. Those who surrender themselves with their whole souls to divine contemplation. So what he's saying here basically is that any planet can be a friend or foe according to your inner attitude towards it. For instance, we think of Jupiter as a benefic. It brings good things. So Jupiter is a friend. I mean, it brings good things into our life and good fortune and a higher sense of purpose. And so that's seen as a wonderful thing. But if your attitude towards Jupiter is Vulgar, for instance, and I'm going to get to that word in a moment, Jupiter can bring overindulgence. It can bring like, you know, I've had 15 courses and let's have another seven. Or it can be Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake. You know, I mean, it can be an overindulgence uh, and, and, and an overexercising of your privilege in society. You know, you can th sort of think of too much Jupiter as people who are privileged and don't give a whatever about anyone else. They just want to enjoy their privilegedness. Is okay. That can be Jupiter seen uh, in a bad 
place. So planet can be, bring blessings or planet can bring evil, uh, depending on the person's inner attitude or personal relationship to the planet. So here, uh, the, it's, uh, the passage is Kasiria, but he's talking about Ficino, who actually originally wrote about this. Here he says that Saturn can be the friend and protector of those who try to develop the deepest virtues within. Okay, this gets back to what I was talking about with Pisces and even the 12th house. It's, it's, it's you know, if you're living a, a, a reverent life, if you're living a sacred life, okay, a life of contemplation, a life where you've turned your back on the vulgarities of this world and are seeking the divine, Saturn becomes your friend. Saturn becomes someone who guards and protects you. This is why Saturn was known since the medieval period as the planet of scholars, um, as, as the planet of, people, of, of wise people who studied in solitude and apart from the vulgarities of the world. The vulgarities of the world were basically seen as Jupiterian. For us, that would be like, I want to be famous like Kim Kardashian one day. I want to be an influencer. Here's my brand. You know, all the, you know, this, the, you know, chasing after, you know, likes and money and, and all these sorts of things. You know, th this was seen as the vulgarity of the world. And this was seen as the realm of, of Jupiter, the realm of fame and, and fortune. Okay, would be the quickest, easiest way of putting it. And Saturn, Saturn turns its back on that fame and fortune. And it seeks a more sacred and deeper connection to the world, okay? A world that doesn't go running after bright, shiny object. This is Saturn. And its promise is that it will lead you to divine contemplation, okay? Where you, in the silence of yourself, stand in the Sabbath of your soul, and you are connected to the holiness of God. So. How does this manifest? It manifests in a number of different ways, but the first way, or the way I'm going to talk about today, because Saturn's here for two and a half years, so we can bring lots of examples of Saturn and Pisces, but let's start with this one. Uh, this is something that I've seen a lot with people who have Saturn and Pisces in their horoscope. It is what I call baby left at the church door syndrome. What it stems from is this chronic feeling of being unwanted, okay, and 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 just like you know, uh, 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 the baby is left at the at the doorstep of the church, and the parent or the nurse scurries away into the dark, you know, and and the church opens its door, and of course it has to take the baby in. Remember, sanctuary, a sacred, safe space. Uh, this is what this is the duty, particularly in medieval times, that the church had to to abandoned children. This is almost kind of like the inner archetype of the Saturn and Pisces. It's the baby left at the church door <laughs> syndrome. It's this chronic feeling of being unwanted. It's a chronic feeling of being unwanted, which spreads throughout their entire lives. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you shower affection and love and kisses and gifts upon these people who have Saturn in, in Pisces there is still this chronic feeling. Chronic is Saturn, right? It's lifelong. This Because uh, chron chronic comes from the word time, chronos, and chronos is Saturn's Greek name. Okay, so it's this chronic feeling, this everlasting throughout your life feeling of being unwanted. And that can be something that very much uh, tugs at the heart um, and soul of people born with Saturn in Pisces. And so it can be reflected even in day-to-day -day circumstances. Maybe 
you came into this world when your parents were going through a very difficult time. Maybe you came into this world and your parents couldn't take care of you and you were raised by grandparents or relatives, maybe even foster homes, um, and, and w- which again would be uh, areas that fall within, within this, this, this domain. Um, and, 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 and it's so this feeling of not being wanted, even though you might have gotten protection and shelter, goes with you all of your life. And what you have to pay attention to, and this is why I'm using it, uh, Saturn and Pisces as an example, is the test and also the twist of irony, the ironic twist. So I want to talk about the testing of Saturn here for a quick moment, and then the ironic twist, because the ironic twist goes with the way that Saturn tests. Okay, so let's say you felt like a burden, okay, Uh, unwanted and like a burden. And so if you have Saturn and Pisces, for instance, you don't want to be a burden to anyone else, okay? You don't want to be a burden to anyone else. And so as a result of this, you pay your own way. You look after yourself. You take care of things on your own. And when people say, can I help you? You're like, I'm fine. You know, when people are like, wow, you know, you look like you could really, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, you just don't want to be a burden to anyone. And so you don't stay. You may not stay. Or, or you might be very, you may not stay in a relationship. You may not stay in a job. Why? Because there may be a feeling of, I've stayed in this relationship too long. I'm, I'm becoming a burden. I've stayed in this job too long. I'm becoming, uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling neglected and like I'm, I'm a burden or I'm not adding to something. So, so this feeling of not wanting to be a burden can, can almost make you pull up roots and move on even if the other person was really fine with you being there or even wanted you there, you know, because you don't want to be a burden. You don't want to be a problem. This is something uh, that people with Saturn and Pisces have very, very strongly, not wanting to be this. And so what happens is that after a while, people stop trying to help. Uh, People may stop trying to give you shelter. People may uh, stop trying to comfort you because you're consistently um, advertising that you don't want to be a burden. And so people are honoring this and they're keeping a distance from you. And this, this is the ironic twist of Saturn. It's what I call the self-fulfilling prophecy. Something that we want to pay attention to when Saturn is moving through our sign is how we are in our efforts not to be, in this case, a burden, or not to be bad, or not to be, you know, helpless, or not to be a victim, or whatever. In our efforts not to be this, we are signaling people away from helping us with this, so that you know, in not, in 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 not wanting to be a burden, you signal that you don't need any help or assistance or comfort, and so people leave you alone, and you find yourself alone. And that loneliness uh, substantiates or, or it, 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 it verifies, it validates that feeling of having been unwanted. Okay, so, so in an effort to not be the burden, people leave you alone, uh, you wind up alone, and that confirms what you always felt, which was that you were unwanted. So this is the way that Saturn can work. A simple way of remembering it is that in our efforts to thwart something that we don't want to become, we wind up running headfirst into it. Okay, so in our efforts to avoid becoming something that we don't want to be, 
we actually create the circumstances that we will go ahead and become it. This is the great ironic twist of Saturn. And it's also one of the great keys to its wisdom. If you can unlock this behavior and see how it works in your life. One of the things that I've seen, now we're getting to the test part. One of the things that I've seen people with Saturn in Pisces react to, and this isn't just limited to the horoscope, by the way, this may be a trend that you see now that Saturn is moving into Pisces. So so look for it in areas of your life or among friends, loved ones, or your own relationships or, 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 or work or bosses or, or, or the culture of your country. Okay, so, so Saturn in Pisces is kind of like announcing or, 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 or introducing this trend. Um, one of the things that uh, I've seen occur in charts with people who have Saturn in Pisces is um, a real powerful reaction to being a victim. Um, on one hand, it can be, you know, and this is one of the difficulties with Saturn. Saturn can be so oppressive that you become, you know, that you break under the weight of Saturn. That's when Saturn is much too strong on a chart, okay? Um, and that's when, that's when Saturn is being very negative and very destructive, okay? Um, but, but this feeling of, you know, not wanting to be a victim can come out in people's horoscopes who have Saturn in this placement as, I can't stand someone who plays the victim. That might be their, their reaction. I can't stand it when someone plays the victim. And think about that phrase, when someone plays the victim. Okay, speech can tell us so much about a planet in astrology. When someone plays the victim. Okay, it's not that that person's a victim. They're playing at it. Okay, and so... And I've seen people react that way. I can't stand it when someone plays the victim. And so there's a hardening of the of the heart. You know, there's this, 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 you know, like I'm not going to give this person the time of day or, or I might listen to this person's complaints or their sad story. And even though I look concerned on the outside, on the inside, I'm like, oh, please, you know, tiniest violin in the world, you know, type of thing. Um, and so why, why does that happen? Is it because... People born with Saturn and Pisces are damaged goods. This has been so harmed that they've taken on a sort of cynical or, or, or sardonic view of the world, a bitter view of the world. What it is, is that it's Saturn is the century again, okay? Um, or even, we talked about it a few weeks ago, the defense mechanism. Okay, Saturn is the century. It is standing at the borderline between you and another person. And let's say what's invading, or let's say what's trespassing, or let's say what's crossing over the border, you know, illegally, you know, crossing over the border into your horoscope, you know, from other people, is this sense of victimization, you know, that, that you, you know, feel unwanted, you felt like a victim in your life, you're bitter about it. And so that has hardened your heart. It's created a wall against anyone else's experience a victim and hurt infiltrating your horoscope or infiltrating your psyche. And so that Saturn in Pisces is going to stand guard there, you know, um, on the rocks. And it's going to, you know, warn against, it's going to make sure that no one crosses this line into the, of your horoscope. Um, and so the more and more, for instance, you might complain about someone playing victim or, or, or the, you know, not another hard luck story and things like that. If you find yourself doing that, if you find yourself doing that, take a moment 
and ask yourself, um, what is this triggering in you? Okay. What is this triggering in you? This, this, this. I can't stand the way that this person goes on playing the victim. Okay. Maybe the person is playing the victim. Okay. Let's say there are some people who do that. But yeah. There's some people who like over exaggerate their trials and tribulations. But a lot of times people, you know, have a very complex relationship to that. But let's say someone's playing the victim. What are they doing that you don't like? That's the question. Well, the easy answer is they're playing the victim. That's not the answer. What are they doing that you don't like? I want you to think of that on a deeper level. I don't want you to feel guilty about it. I don't want you to say, okay, that's an item on my shadow work. I better improve that area of my psyche. I don't want you to do that. Okay. What I want you to do is ask yourself, what are they doing that you don't like? Okay. And chances are what they're doing that you don't like is that they are in pain. They are in pain and they're talking about it. They're talking about being in pain. Pain is something that many of us don't do well with. We don't do well with pain in our own bodies, and we certainly don't do well with pain in other people's bodies. We do things to avoid pain. It's almost instinctual. Okay, so if someone is talking about their pain, if someone is talking about their bad fortune, if someone is talking about the dire circumstances that they find themselves in, they are doing something that you won't allow yourself to do. What is it that you won't allow yourself to do if you have Saturn and Pisces? What they're doing that you won't allow yourself to do is to express your pain, is to talk about your bad fortune, is to share your experience of having gone through um, difficult times and wondering if you're going to ever get to the other end of this difficult time, you know, of, of expressing your own feeling of ostracization from the world of the healthy, your own feeling of ostracization from the world of the fortunate, your own feeling of ostracization from the world of those who have everything that they could ask for in life. People who play the victim are expressing this. And the lesson to be learned by Saturn here is, or what Saturn is teaching you, you know, in that feeling of like, you know, hardening the heart towards them, is not to soften your heart because that's the good and saintly thing to do. It's saying soften your heart by honoring and recognizing your fellowship. Okay, that by honoring and recognizing that you too are in pain and they get to express it. They get to express it and something might be done or something may not be done, but they get to express it. And it costs you nothing to go and express that in your own life. It costs you nothing. And in fact, in fact, it may bring people who have been keeping their distance from you, it may bring them closer to you. You know, because they care that you're experiencing these things. And something to contemplate, something to contemplate about this kind of um, fellowship of pain, uh, which is something that we will all be confronting or reflecting upon 
as Saturn makes its way through the zodiac sign of Pisces. Something to contemplate is nothing joins people together in an alliance most, more, than this feeling of being in the same boat. Did you know there's a whole universe that you can unlock with so-called minor aspects? Most astrologers don't even use them, but master astrologer Rick Levine calls them harmonic aspects, saying they're key to revealing the deeper metaphysical dimension of a birth chart, including the creative, mystical, and unseen parts of ourselves and others. And if you want a taste of how powerful they can be, just listen to what he has to say about some of the subtitles in play during his February and March forecast. There's one other thing that happens in February. By the 12th, Venus makes a septile. That's one-seventh of a circle to Pluto. Venus makes a septile to Uranus. Boom, boom. What are septiles? They're otherworldly. They're supernatural. Dane Rudger said they were fated. Things come out and things come through that were somehow in other realms. And like Uranus, it's like lightning striking. And I think the combination of Mercury going into Uranus's modern sign of Aquarius and all these septiles will awaken us to the idea that we don't see everything that we think we do. Of course, it's not lost on me that this is the first week of Foundations Level 3 course. And it's just such an overwhelming septile message that we get from the universe. I really think that there's going to be a bit of a wake up in mid-February. If you're ready to uncover these powerful unseen aspects in your chart, join us for Astrology Foundations Level 3 with Master Astrologer Rick Levine at astrologyhub.com slash foundations3.